This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Garinto. Can you harness the power of five elements to build your own Garinto shrine? This abstract game was designed by Richard Yanner with art from Josh Capel. Each decision alters the landscape, growing your understanding and charting your path forward. Garinto is now on Kickstarter through March 4th. Hello and welcome to the One Board Podcast. I am Rick White and with me, as always, is a man who once killed another man over his analysis paralysis. It's Ryan Gatowski. How are you? I'm doing good. I slit his throat with a cardboard chit. <laughs> Violent. It, was, right it at had the to be done. What, huh? Right at the top of the podcast. We're getting a little violent. Getting a little violent. That's the way we like our episodes. Yeah. A little violent. Yeah, that analysis so. paralysis can get out of hand. And sometimes you just got to set an example for the other gamers at a convention. Like, listen, That's we true. will not tolerate this analysis paralysis. Uh, it took you 30 seconds to decide your move. You're dead. You, Done. you were talking during when it wasn't your turn instead of planning your next move. You're dead. <laughs> Finished. Yeah. Very. So what's been going on, Rick, man? You know. We, uh... You were sick last time, I think. Yeah, yeah, you were sick last time, and uh, Bob and I held down the podcast for you while you healed up. I mean, you feeling better? Sure, we can say what you guys did was holding it down. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Quality <laughs> dropped tremendously, but no, we did have a lot of unsubscribers. Yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah, a lot of all two of them. They're just gone now. Now we just throw this into the void. Um, no, yes, yeah, it's, it's soccer season, so that means days are a little bit longer for me, but. Uh, yeah, but you know, we just finished up a game where we played in the sleet, so that was um, awful. But uh, you know, sometimes in life you got to play soccer in the sleet. Mm. Um, mm. You know, that's... a little chilly with those. Uh, put extra knee guards in. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but otherwise, doing pretty good. How about you guys? Good. We're doing good, man. Um, we actually had a uh little mini convention out here in Columbus uh which was really cool we there's a, a twice a year they do the Columbus Toy and Comic Expo it's a really cool event where the Columbus Spice, Space Coca-Cola Space Science Center opens its doors and uh comic vendors and toy vendors and local artists come out and they do some they put some pretty cool stuff together they usually have a guest or guest speakers um it's it's a little event that's probably six hours long on a sunday but uh it's a lot it was a lot of fun and so josiah and i have gone in years past just to attend and hang out um but this year Bob actually worked with the people who run it and, um, we were invited to, uh, have a game room. And so one of the rooms at the facility, we ended up running games all day long. I mean, that place was packed the majority of the day. Uh, it was a really good experience and we saw people stay around the show quite a while, uh, just playing games and we gave away tons of door. Products. I think we had 30, almost 30 games that we gave away. And uh, had a lot of fun. Met a lot of people, too. It was, was cool. Was it just an opportunity to clear out your shelf of shame? Like, you were like, no, yeah, I don't want all... this game. Like, uh, no. It's oh, like really you want just... this game that I haven't played? No, these were all, uh, actually, Bob and I both had some games that we wanted to donate that we still had in Shrink. And then we also had, uh, Bob had gone to Ollie's recently. And actually, there were some pretty pretty decent games over there. Um, so he found a couple gems in there. And uh 
put them in there and it was fun. We had a good time. So a lot of, it was cool because we saw, uh, one of the, one of the people that sat down, there was an older lady, a grandmother with her two grandsons and they wanted to play five minute Marvel. And I was immediately like, man, this is kind of a speed game. I wonder how this is going to work out, man. That, that grandma was wrecking it. She was killing it. And so grandmas do as grandmas do. Um, and so they played for a while, ended up turning the game back into the library, came back, played it again, and then walked up to Aaron and was like, where can I get that game from? So it was really cool. Sweet. So connecting people with new games, you know? Nice. Yes. So um, I'm very sad I didn't have the opportunity to stuff the uh, the box with my name so that I could win yeah. all the prizes, but, you know, whatever. Next mm. time. There's next year. Next time. Yeah, well, Ryan, you know, you've, you've got this, you know, convention thing that you're doing. You, you've been doing a lot of live streams, so it's going to be hard to pick uh, what you've been playing, sir. So what I've been playing is I played Point Salad multiple times this weekend. We still don't own Point Salad, but it's a lot of fun. It's, What's uh, taking you I, so long? It, what now? What's taking you so long to own that game? What are you just I know. around? It's it's one of those weird things where I'm like multiple people around us own it, so I don't need to own it. I borrow it all the time. Oh, there you go. Um, but point salad is a lot of fun. Each card is on the front of uh, on the front of the card. It has a uh, a vegetable, maybe a, a cabbage, onion, carrot, whatever. Um, and then on the back of the card, it has scoring criteria for. It could be of that same element or of a different one. So the scoring criteria may be three onions equals seven points or five victory points or whatever. Um, You can, you have this grid sitting in front of you and you can either pick two vegetables from the grid or you can pick a single card that has a scoring criteria across the top. Um, It's really fun because I think a lot of it has to do with estimating what you're going to see, what you're going to be able to get your hands on. I remember playing a couple, I've played it probably in the past two months, I've probably played it five or six times. And each time I kind of play it, I approach it a little differently. I remember one time I picked up a bunch of scoring criteria cards, but then I was never able to get the, get the vegetables that I needed to score. So it's like I picked up all these things that were like tomatoes and and onions are going to score a ton of points. And I never want to see a carrot. Well, I ended up getting like a couple carrots, a bunch of, a bunch of lettuce and never got the stuff that scored points. So I think my score was like seven or eight points. I mean, it was miserable. I, I, I could have probably not played and gotten a higher score. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's silly. It's fast. Plays in about 15 minutes. Once you play it, you can reset it, play it again. Um, Point Salad's a really, really cool game yeah. from AEG. Yeah, we played that uh, for our live stream, our marathon. That's right. Um, That's right. And I won, so therefore it's a good game. That's the criteria. Yes. Yeah, yeah I was able to beat you guys with so much cabbage. It was crazy. So much cabbage. Well, Ryan, I have been playing... Funkoverse, um, which is a game that was released from Funko Pop uh, last year, and uh, something that kind of got a little bit of attention um, because it uses uh, Funko Pop mini Funko Pop figurines as the like tokens, so um, you're able to move around a board with a little Funko Pop. And we all know Funko Pops. You know, do you have any Funko Pops, Ryan? 
all my kids have Funko Pop figures. So actually, no, actually, I have a Bob's Burgers Funko Pop and a uh, a Vault Boy. Oh, uh, Pop those figure, are pretty so. good. Nice. Yeah, I've got those at the at the office. But uh, my daughter, both of my daughters, actually collect Funko Pops. Nice. So they really dig them. Yeah, I have a Bob Ross Funko Pop um, from our wonderful friends at Big G Creative. Um, uh, as part of uh, when we were working with them on the two Bob Ross board games. And then also I bought Sarah a baby Groot Funko Pop. So, uh, dan- and it nice. was a bobblehead dancing one. So that was, that was good. But anyway, um, Very cool. so they've released uh, a few different versions of the game. So, um, you've played the Batman one, I believe. Um, which does it come with four characters or just two? So the Batman one, there's two different ones. There's the Batman. It's got Batman, Joker, Harley Quinn, and uh, I think Robin. I'm I'm trying to remember, but yeah. there's four Robin in one of them. Yeah. And then the Catwoman. I think it's Catwoman and Robin in this in the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Batgirl. So there's in the two first different one, ones. I think. Yeah. Bat. That's right. That's right. Um. Yeah. And then um. Harry. There's a Harry Potter version as well. Um, which two of those two yeah one is a set of four with i like how they you know that seems like you know it's ron harry and hermione right well sorry Mm -hmm. ron you're in the other pack um and you're hanging out with malfoy uh because you're a b-level character exactly so uh, harry and hermione and then i think bellatrix and maybe voldemort i don't know um are in the other um but so i have not played those what i have played is the golden girls version ryan so we which got, we have too yeah yes. um and there's a i think is there a rick and morty version there might be of Funko. there is there's a rick and morty one and actually uh this is coming out before march but i believe march 1st or the first week in march you'll see the second golden girls version and i've already heard of people finding uh the Kool-Aid man on store shelves. That was one that, um, that Bob was sworn to secrecy when he saw it last year. He couldn't picture it. He couldn't take pictures of it and we couldn't talk about it publicly, but he saw the Kool-Aid man, which is awesome. That is awesome. And if I'm looking on Amazon right now, it looks like there's a Jurassic park version coming out. Um, but that's news to me that the other golden girls version is coming out because like, to me, it makes perfect sense to have, the pack of four be for the golden girls. I mean, there are four mm-hmm. golden girls. And so yeah. to just pick two, what are you doing to me? Funko pop besides taking all my money. But anyway, um, so the, uh, the Funko verse, uh, golden girls version comes with Rose and Blanche. And so basically what happens is you've got a board that you set out. That's kind of just one of the, it's just a grid movement kind of board. And, mm-hmm. uh, each, uh, player, you can do a uh, team of uh, one versus one, or you can do two versus two people. Um, but uh, you've got, uh, you're basically doing kind of different types of games. So there's like a capture the flag that you can do. Um, there's like a little battle game that you can do. There's a few others that um, the different rule sets are included to in the game. And then the boards that come with the characters are specific kind of to those characters. So on the Golden Girl set, there's one that is like a boardwalk that you can have. And then there's yeah. like the patio or the, um, the lanai, I think is the, what you're supposed to call it in the golden girls universe. Um, it's more classic. Yeah. That's, that's what you got. So, um, 
you just kind of move around the grid and each character has special powers. So like Blanche can use like her Southern charm. Uh, and uh, I forget what uh, Rose's special power was, but it, it, it really is. I don't, I, I I would wonder how that business meeting went where they proposed we're going to do Golden Girls along with Harry Potter and Batman. You know, like, yeah. that had to be a hard sell, but it is really funny as you're playing to think, like, you're using a special power. Um, but uh, we played it. I think we played Capture the Flag. Um, so uh, it's it plays kind of interestingly. I am excited about pairing it up with another set so one thing you can do with these sets is uh, characters can go into other universes so um mm-hmm. we were able to get our hands on the malfoy and ron weasley uh harry potter for a good discount so we'll be able nice. to put those characters together and i think that's going to be better because otherwise you still play with four characters but like it's just like little cardboard tokens so it's like yeah. a gentleman and like a lifeguard or something and so that just okay. kind of loses a little bit of the magic, I would say, because they don't have yeah. powers or anything. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to play it with those other characters and try some of the different game modes. It was fun. Sarah and I played against each other. Um, and, you know, you roll dice to do some actions and some attacks to each other. Um, you can carry out other actions depending on what mode you're playing. So it's just yeah. a nice little head-to-head game. Well, I know we've got a copy of it that we're actually going to be doing a review for. I think Aaron is going to be writing the review for the Golden Girls Funko game. Um, so I think this weekend we're planning on sitting down with it. It, it I've heard that uh, uh, Rose is a little overpowered. She, she's got some kind of ability. She uh, has the ability to over- like attract people to her, so it like causes them to move closer to her and then they can rose does or, or blanche that's blanche's i was uh, about yeah, to say sorry. blanche blanche is a skank it you know yeah yeah um yeah. yeah i forget like i there's like she gets i can't remember what it was but um yeah and of course you know since we own the first version we need to pick up the old other uh uh version of golden girls so that we can put the all the girls together. That's the way it needs to be. Yeah. So, um, but I do also like the idea of being able to mix the universes and stuff. Um, you know, putting Rick and Morty into golden girls would be pretty yeah. funny. So, yeah, I, I do. So I listened to dice tower had a, uh, had a, uh, this versus that type of, um, video a couple, couple days ago that I saw and it was unmatched versus the Funko verse games. I love Unmatched. There's something about Unmatched that I really, really dig. But there's a toy factor with Funko first that is really fun. Um, I I'm more attracted to Unmatched just because it's this car, it's this deck of cards that's kind of a life force that you know it, it's not relying on bad die rolls and stuff like that. Um, I feel like there's more strategy to that, Certainly. but the Funko verse games actually surprised me. So we actually did, we actually, uh, did a demo. Um, we went up to, uh, our local second in Charles and actually did a demo day, um, with the, with one of the guys at the store, which is a friend of ours. And we actually played with some guys that came by and visited. And so had a really good time, learned the game, uh, kind of, kind of worked our way around the game, trying to do different things. And it was, it was really fun. Uh, uh it was myself, Bob, Aaron, and a couple other people. So it was really cool. Nice. Well, Ryan, what else have you been playing, sir? 
So Bob uh, came by the house a couple, about two weeks ago, and uh, he taught us how to play Heaven and Ale. And oh. this is a this is a game that's been around for a little while. I think it came out 2018, maybe. Um, Might have been 17, but I think 2018. Heaven and Ale is about monks who are making uh, beer, um, but you're never actually making beer. You're just kind of collecting monks and and these tiles it's it's odd like the theme i don't think that the theme actually matters at all um you are you have this board each player has their board and their board is set up on a light side and a dark side it's kind of like the shady side of the farm and the more lit side of the farm and so you're planting you have all these different resources that would normally go into, I think it's wheat and hops and water and stuff like that. So you've got these different elements. And then what you're doing is you're pulling in, you're putting them out on the farm and then you're using these monk tokens that you can collect. Um, and those monks are going to give you uh, an extra turn. So if, if you activate the shed ability where you put a, put a shed, you activate a couple of the, you score a couple of the tokens that are on your farm, and then you can actually kind of chain things off of the monk tokens that are on your board. So it becomes this combo trick take uh, trip trick type of game where you're trying to create the best combos that you can to get the highest score. Um, I ended up winning the first game that we played, but I would definitely revisit that game. Heaven and Ale is one of Bob's favorite games. Um, and even though the theme is a little odd, like I never felt like I was a monk or part of a monastery that was making beer. Never. It just was, you had beer elements and you had barrels that were awarded at different times during the game. And you had some monk tokens. Um, but the game played really smooth. It was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know, even though I won, I don't know if my strategy was the best. Um, it's almost like you're trying to have a very even, um, your combos should give you even amounts of things so that you don't score because eventually you, whatever your water is at and whatever your weed is at, if it's on two opposite ends, if you've only got like one point for this and 16 points for this, you're actually going to come closer to the middle. So you're actually going to lose a lot of points if you're not distributing these elements evenly. So it was, it was a fun game. I actually really enjoyed it and I see why it's a, it's one of Bob's favorites. Um, he doesn't get to play it very often. So I think that we're going to try to play with, play it with him again this month. Is it everything Bob's favorite though? Just such Every a positive game guy. He owns. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean it's so I mean you would say it's a little heavier. Like how long did it take y'all to play? It took us about two hours to play, but I think now that we know how to play, now that we kind of know, you know, what combos can be had and what awards can be had and things like that, I think it would go a lot quicker. I'd probably say it would take us an hour to play. Uh, now that we know the rules. Gotcha. So um, it really wasn't that bad. I think I'm more I'm more scared to play Maracaibo, which is uh, his current favorite game. Um, I think I'm a little more scared of that because I've heard of it playing for three to four hours Goodness. the first time you play. Uh-oh. And we already know of your violent tendencies when people have analysis paralysis. So yeah, gotta... man. Yeah, man. You get, you get your throat slit with the chit. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I like the rhythm of that. Um, yeah, okay. man, I'm, I'm making a shirt. Yeah. So, that's, so Rick, you've actually a, been playing. Look for it on the you, One Board Family uh, store page. Is the, <laughs> yeah. The, we're going to have the adult section of the T-shirts on yeah, the store exactly. page. So um, you've actually been playing a game that is unreleased that's currently on Kickstarter. So yes, why don't you tell us about because that? Because I'm so fancy like that. Um, yeah. Well, our friends over at Weird Giraffe Games have uh, a game on Kickstarter that launched – um, as of our recording, it was just yesterday, and we've already funded, so that's awesome. Um, but it's called Tumbletown. Um, and so it's a dice game. And Ryan, how do you feel about dice games? I like dice games. Like- I, I, sometimes they annoy me, but I, especially something like Tumbletown, where it's like you're throwing a whole handful of dice and you're trying to get certain things. And yeah, I dig it. Looks cool. Yeah. Like, you know, with dice games like, you know, Yahtzee. I mean, I have fun with Yahtzee. I'll play Yahtzee, but yeah, it yeah. definitely your success isn't always in your hands. You know, it's like, did I, was I lucky enough to pick, you know, to go for it and get a Yahtzee or, you know, did I end up failing completely? And so, you know, you can definitely lose Yahtzee without doing anything wrong. Um, this game definitely, uh, it minimizes the impact of luck from the dice. Yes, anytime you have dice, and the whole game has a ton of dice in it, but anytime you have dice like that, it's going to um, it's going to have a bit of luck. But uh, the way that the game works, it's able to... It, what you end up rolling can be used in many different ways so that you can kind of strategize around what mm-hmm. you end up getting. So in Tumbletown, you're the mayor of a, a western town back in the Old West, and you are trying to build up your main street. So there's two cards that each player has that you kind of put right next to each other, and they set up like a map where on the edges of the card, um, you're going to be building buildings out of your dice. And so in the middle of the table, there's uh, like a market for the different uh, buildings that you can build. Uh, they're different levels. And so um, it usually the lower levels are easier to make. You'll be able to kind of make, you probably could make one of those every turn if you wanted to, versus the higher level cards, it might require you to take a turn or two to get all the supplies that you need in order to build those buildings. So the buildings themselves are made out of dice. So uh, the artwork on the card kind of represents all the buildings are made out of like cubes stacked together. Um, and the different, there's four different colors. Uh, so like gray is stone and, uh, brown is brick and yellow is gold. So, um, you'll, on your turn, you will draft a card from the market that's available. And then based on which level of card you took, you will get to roll three dice that are different materials. So if you pick a higher level card, you get to roll higher level dice, but you also get to kind of choose which dice you want. Some of them you'll have a choice in. And then if you have all the dice that are needed uh, or shown on a building card, you can build that building. So you'll take the dice and you'll stack them together in the shape of the building. And you can, what you'll generally try to do is put them onto your main street. Now main street is labeled with different uh, kind of requirements for the spaces. So one space of Main Street might want you to have a black die on the bottom of whatever you've built right there. And the, and the buildings do kind of stack, so maybe they might be two or three levels high. Uh, maybe one little section of Main Street wants to have um, 
uh, a level three die or to where they're stacked up three tall. Um, so you're trying to build these buildings. You also get points if you make like one space wide alleyways in between the buildings. So having some proper spacing is also good mm-hmm. instead of button up next to each other. But you'll basically be taking turns trying to. There's a few other scoring mechanisms. So like the high level buildings um, give you uh, extra scoring skills. Kind of like a Seven Wonders where, you know, in Seven Wonders you might get points for how many gray cards you have. This is kind of like that where you get uh, maybe a point for every building that has a cactus on the artwork. Um, You get a bonus point. Um, So there's little extra things to get you points. There's also everybody has a secret symbol that they're trying to get. So all the cards have symbols on them. And uh, if you get more cards with that symbol, you get points. Uh, There's a bunch of different ways to score um, but, uh, whoever has the most points wins, uh, whenever a certain amount of dice run out, it's a pretty fun game. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was really long winded there, uh, to describe all the rules, but, um, but it's one that I kind of like the idea of actually stacking dice. It's kind of a little tactile element to it. Um, it's, it's just, uh, the buildings have different requirements on them. So like with the dice rolls, it might say like, four to six die like your numbers have to be four to six or the numbers can't equal each other so what that means is you know based on your die rolls because you can store dice from one turn to the next it might impact Mm -hmm. which building you pick in the next round so that you can build it up so you're generally going to have options um we never had to get rid of dice um we always had enough room in our little storehouse so if you play it right you can you can make sure that you're building stuff that your resources aren't going to waste um, which kind of mitigates yeah. that luck. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, there's something about the art style and the stacking of dice that really intrigued me with this one. And so, um, that you brought up something in our Slack channel, um, for one board family. Uh, if you ever wanted to jump into that Slack channel, uh, this is for our Patreon donors. And you mentioned that it's a, they're doing a really good job with this um, with this Kickstarter because they have a print and play option that, hey, if you're just wanting to see what this is all about, there's a print and play option for just a couple bucks. Right. And it's a low barrier to entry if you just want to uh, get your grab your own dice, print out some cards. Um, I think it's a really smart idea yeah. because Weird Giraffe is doing really great things with their games. And uh, you know, Fire in the Library is a perfect example. That game is really fun. Yeah. Really, there's a strategy to it. There's this game of chance as you're as you're picking these things. It, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, and I think I compared it in my review in my preview that we have on OneBoardFamily.com. Um, I compared it to Fire in the Library because it's one of those games where it takes maybe slightly more. It, it's a gateway game, I would say. Um, certainly and, Mm -hmm. and game mechanics that might be slightly more complicated than your average game gamer is used to. It presents them in a, a way that's easy to understand. I think it's a lot more accessible than like dreams of tomorrow, which, uh, um, it's similar. It's galactic Raptor, but that's, they're similar companies, but, um, that game's a little harder to kind of crack. Um, this one I think is very open and, and if you've got, dice like a lot of gamers just have dice sitting around um yeah, then yeah. the that is the main component that's going to be in this game um 
So, like, the cards and stuff, obviously, you know, those are important, but really, like, the bulk of the production, the thing that's going to fill it up is dice. So, if you can just print out the cards and play, I think it's totally worth it. It's only eight bucks to back it like that. So, I yeah, totally think yeah. it's worth it to try it out. That's cool. Well, you can find that in the show notes. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and transition into our topic of the show about return policies. And uh, we'll tell you why we're talking about that on the other side of this break. So, Rick, you brought up this topic and uh, I thought it was a great um, great way to chat about some things that we've experienced uh, just as consumers, but also talk about what the game companies are experiencing. So why don't you tell us the basis of our our return policy chat today? Yeah, I mean, it, you might think it's a really weird thing for us to discuss return policies as a podcast topic. You know, when I think return policies, I think standing in line at Target behind a whole bunch of people that have really weird excuses for why they're bringing stuff back. It's like, hey, we know you wore that shirt three times before you brought it back and you just like needed it for something. Uh, but anyway, um, I brought this up because um, Asmodee, Asmodee, how, how would you pronounce it? I think it's Asmodee. Yeah, I think That's it is too. That's what I've always said. Yeah. Um, Asmodee um, has, like the rice, um, As, <laughs> Asmodee has uh, released... Uh, I don't know if it was a press release or what, but um, I, I saw a a post on Board Game Geek discussing yeah. an adjustment that they are making to their return policy. So in the past, for people that maybe have never had to return a game uh, or had anything wrong with a game, usually what happens is we reach out to the publisher of a game and say, hey, you know, open the box. This was an issue. Can you yeah. handle this for me? So, like for you, like you had an issue about this with one of a ga- one of the games that you yeah. published recently. I was actually going to bring this up in in our talk. I'm not going to name the game or the company, but we had uh, my wife got a game for her birthday. Uh, she got an early birthday gift um, in uh, January, and for my parents. And so we took a look. Uh, we opened up the game. We were going to sit down. It was a little later. We had just had birthday cake and we were like, you know what? We can fit a quick game in. Let's go ahead and, and jump into this game because we already know how to play and look around the, for the rule sheet because I was going to reference something real quick and there was no rules in the box. I was like, that's weird. I've never, we've never opened a sealed box and not had an entire set of rules. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of inconvenient. You know what? It's getting a little later. We'll go ahead and put the game up. So we put the game up and I texted, I, I messaged the, one of the people who work for this company on Facebook. He got right back with me, super cordial, super nice dude. And, uh, got in touch with, uh, their customer support and I said, Hey, missing the rule book. They're like, okay, cool. Well, we can send you the PDF, um, but we can maybe send you a rule book. We'll check, we'll check, uh, tomorrow. Okay, cool. Well, the next day, I think, uh, this may have been Wednesday. We get around Friday and we have, uh, some friends coming over. We take the game out and we go to set up the game and an entire board is missing from the game. Like the main board for this game, score tracking, uh, set up for certain components, uh, all of that is completely missing. And I'm like, 
is this for real? Like, what is it, happening? I had no idea. And it was funny because we took a picture of the box because we had taken out all the components and realized the thing was missing. So I took a picture of it. And sure enough, the, the main board for the game wasn't even in there. And I was like, how do we miss that the first time? And so went back, contact him, said, hey, we need to get this board. They were like, okay, no problem. Monday we'll be in touch. He said, yeah, let's send out the board to you. And so I got a, I got a notification by email. Um, we are now a month and a half, and the board still hasn't shown up. That's crazy. And we got so tired of waiting that we went ahead and returned the game to Amazon, yeah. uh, where my parents had bought the game. Yeah. We got a, we returned the game and, uh, they didn't replace the game, but my parents actually rebought the game and we got it replaced in two days. Yeah. And, and I was like, we've been waiting. We still haven't gotten the game board. Well, and, and I think, you know, in the past now, have you ever had any other games that you've had, you know, missing components or anything? Yeah, missing tokens or something. And usually it's just like, hey, this was missing. Fill out a form. They get it shipped right out to you. I mean, we've had great experiences with little missing components and stuff. And we very rarely do that. Yeah. And know? I've, I can't even, I mean, I've gotten a lot of games, but I think I've only had one game. And it was uh, Dark Seas, which is a game from uh, uh, AEG. But the mm -hmm. dice in the main game were printed wrong and they knew that. And so what you would do is let them know, Hey, I bought your game. Can you yep. send me the dice, the correct dice? And they'd send them to you. That's the only game that I can think of that, uh, that has that, uh, that I've had to I, send anything. I got, I got misprinted cards, uh, miss, uh, uh, cards that were missized. I had to fill out a form and, uh, request shipping for it and all this stuff. And it was a, it was a pretty smooth process. It took a little while for shipping, but I got a whole new deck of cards because they had been misprinted on a different size card stock. And so it was pretty evident, like half the cards were one size and the other half of the cards were like two millimeters different, but you could definitely tell you're shuffling and like half the cards are falling through your hands. Right. So, yeah. And, and so I think that's been kind of the approach. You reach out to the company, they generally yep. have some extra pieces and they'll send them to you. Well, Asmodee has changed their policy. So it sounds like either now or in the near future, the way that it, it started on February 18th. So the way that it works is if you have an issue with them, you do not contact them. You contact the place where you got their game. And yeah. so I think there was a lot of discussion on this post about what is that going to do um, as far as Asmodee games are concerned. So I think you kind of have to look at it from a few different viewpoints. I think there's the idea of how does that impact the customer? Yeah. How does that impact the stores? And I think, you know, I think there's a difference between local game stores and big box retailers or places like mm -hmm. Amazon and maybe online stores. Yeah. Um, so Ryan, kind of what are your first thoughts when you hear like what, as a customer of, you know, a buyer of board games, how does that impact your opinion of Asmodee and whether or yeah. not you'd buy their games? So remember Asmodee is not just, just it's not just one brand it's also fantasy flight it's mm -hmm. also z-man games it's also some of the subcategories be uh, underneath asmodee like 
it impacts a lot, a lot of the games that you see. And, and so for something like a big box store, so here's a good example. I purchased a couple games from, I purchased two or three copies of the same game because I was giving some as Christmas gifts a couple of years ago at Target because they were on sale. And so I go to Target and I purchase them and I realized that there was uh, one of the boxes had a little slit in it. So I opened it up at the cashier area, like where I was picking up my order because I had ordered it online and I opened it up. I said, Hey man, like none of the tokens are in this box. Like it's completely empty of tokens. And they were like, so sorry, just go to the, I mean, I went to the uh, place where the game, board games were at Target, pulled a new one off the shelf. No big deal. They're going to send it back to the manufacturer. Target, Walmart, Amazon, they have a structure built in. They're big enough companies that this is a normal process for them. Like they, they can do this with ease. You know, they probably have a whole department that runs this stuff. Not to, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's free, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a process that's pretty common and mm-hmm. normal. Oh yeah. Like Amazon, it's crazy how many returns they process. Like, daily. oh, absolutely. It's insane. I mean, and, yeah. and there's like, I was watching a, a YouTube channel the other day that was talking about how sometimes they don't even take them back. Like they'll sell wholesale big boxes yep. of returns that people then buy and like, little other shops that you find discount shops. That's how they get supplies and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what happens to the small store? What happens to that local game store that has the same person working there day in, day out has one part-time employee. Like what happens to them? Right. You know, that's, I think that's what Asmodee has done is they've said, you know, no matter where you bought it, we're not going to ship out a piece or a part. And I understand because they're such a large company at this point. They're a huge company at this point, but you have just signed up local game stores to be a reception area for games coming back, a shipping place for the games to be shipped back out of. And some of these places are not making that much money off of these games. You know, right. Especially if they're running sales or a loyalty program or something like it, it. It's put. I don't know. I feel like the person who gets screwed most in this situation is the local game store. Right. Well, and, and if you are a local game store, like it also throws off customers from you. So there's not if most game stores don't keep a huge quantity no. yeah. of games at their store. You know, you might have yeah. two or three. So like if you go in and there's a problem with that product it's likely that you are just getting your money back or you're getting a different game and like i don't know like if i'm buying a board game at a game store it's likely that i want that board game it's you know not i just had 50 bucks to spend and i'll buy something else i likely as a customer would be like well give me my money back i'll just go buy it on amazon you know and i can't imagine you know there's no way that they've set up game stores to just take the loss on this. You can't be like, well, sorry, you got a defective product. I'm sure there's a policy involved, but there's yeah. no way that it's simple. Like there's no way that like you are, you, you're probably going to have to send the whole thing back. You know, yep. you're probably going to have to uh, get, then they send you another one. But in that time, like you've lost a sale. And so yeah. you're yeah. not going to be able to, fix it and and one thing that a lot of people brought up is like 
there's so many other products out there that you started to see these uh, in, included pieces of paper that say, stop, do not return this product to the store. And it's like, yes. please call us if there's an issue because they don't want to have to deal with the crazy madness of like something that's more complex being shipped back to them. And maybe there's a problem. And, you know, yeah. with, I don't know, maybe I, I can't, I guess I, I understand they're a bigger company and I understand that they've kind of got a lot of things going, but I can't understand from a customer service perspective, how this could be good for them. Um, as you know, with, with the hobby gaming as it is like lots of people are going to know about this. And I mean, I'm, I'm much less likely. I don't know that I'll say that I'm not going to buy games from them, but I can say that I probably will never buy an Asmodee game from a game store again, because it's just, I, I don't like that. I don't trust that process. Because not only is it risky, but also if you were to return that to a local game store, a smaller game store, you're now putting that you're putting that uh, that game store owner and that staff out. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, you know. And so, and that that's exactly how I feel about it. That I probably our local game store Moxie Games. I probably will never buy an Asmodee game from them. Because of that reason, I would not want to put them out and put them as a, well, now you got to return the game. And there's, and every store has their, has their policies and stuff. And I worry about there now being this conflict where Asmodee has made the statement, drawn a line in the sand and said, return it to your local game store. And then a, a small mom and pop shop saying, you open the game, I'm not taking it back because we can't. Right. Well, and that's what people were saying is like game stores, some game stores have policies of like you have five days to return. And I mean, there's many gamers that don't open their games for months. You know, I've got, you know, a copy of Castles of Mad King Ludwig that I bought from Dice Drop when you and I were there last time and I haven't opened it yet. You know, and so what happens then? You know, and then yeah. the other part was people talking about conventions. What if you buy something from Asmodee at a convention? You know, who mm-hmm. you're not supposed to contact them. So what are you going to do? Like, you're yeah. just stuck yeah. with a broken game. So I mean, and I'm looking at Asmodee's catalog of companies. I mean, I, it's bigger than I thought. I mean, Catan Studios, games. Uh, you know, Days of Wonder, uh, yep. Fantasy Flight, like you said, uh, Z-Man, Space Cowboys is is kind of in there. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of big companies that are published or that Asmodee brings you stuff. And I, I mean, I don't know. I think and maybe I'm overblowing it and maybe it's not as big of a deal. But I mean, if if you have an issue with one of their games, it is going to be a hassle. And yeah, yeah. I think that's bad business for them. So Jamie Stegmeyer of Stonemeyer Games did a really good job of of writing his thoughts out um, in a post uh, called Replacement Parts. Why would or wouldn't a company offer this service? Um, in there, I thought one of the most telling things about this, he said, uh, Jamie said, granted, I, sympath- I sympathize with Asmodee. We only have nine games. And in 2019, Stonemeyer Games spent over $43,000 to ship replacement parts, that shipping fees and personal compensation. Asmodee has over 1,500 products. So I understand, like, 
I don't think that there is a simple solution to this, mm-hmm. but I wonder what I wonder what the what made them make such a drastic move from fill out this form, order a replacement part to now you have to go through this other party and hopefully it gets back to us and hopefully it doesn't strain the relationship where this retailer or this game store is now stuck in the middle, you know, Um, not to mention the fact that UPS, FedEx, U.S. Postal Service, boxes are lost all the time. Yeah. Now you've put a store in charge of mailing and shipping something off to another place. Maybe that store doesn't have the funds to just say, hey, take another piece of my stock you know i'm not going to miss it and then wait on a new one to come back right you know it's it's a mess it's not a good situation and i i I honestly i don't feel so bad for customers because i think at the in the end customers are going to make their decisions and buy in accordance to what they think about this but i think the game stores really got screwed through this yeah i mean you know yeah it's really easy for me i just buy from amazon because amazon takes back everything i mean they don't yeah they don't ask any questions barely at this point and i mean i'm already generally prone to buying online anyway just because of the convenience factor and things like that but i mean i don't know i do feel like game stores are an essential i feel like you lose a lot if game stores don't exist and i mean if you don't have asthma day you know if they're i mean this this approach sounds like it's set up for asmo day to just process through big box retailers and Mm -hmm. i mean if that's the way it's going that's going to be a pretty big negative on the industry. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, I mean, shipping and I understand all that stuff and who knows if there's a better solution, you know, maybe they just send here is a kit of replacement parts, you know, for, um, I don't know what they've worked out with the retailers, you know, hopefully it's something decent, but you know, just from the outside looking in, I mean, maybe they could do some better press or something, but like, uh, uh, they're getting destroyed in any sort of form that I've I've seen out there. Yeah. Except for, yeah. I do think they might have had a plant in the uh, discussion board that I was in because there was one person that was, well, what about blah, blah, like that was very pro Asmo Day, and I was like, <laughs> mm, this is fishy. check his check his LinkedIn account. This is so messed up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, that's just our opinions on this. You know, I just think it's interesting. I think. Uh, you know, Rick, this was, I think this was a good thing to think about because I, I honestly believe this is going to change the, my process of whether or not I'm going to buy from the local game store or buy from, uh, someone like Amazon or target for specific games only. Right. And so, um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to the asthma day customer service FAQ is going to be in the show notes. So you can check it out for yourself and form your own opinion. Um, and then the other thing is Jamie Stegmeyer's very good article on what this means, you know, from the publishing standpoint, uh, I'll also put that in the show notes. So, uh, just look on there and click through and, uh, form your own opinion. Let us know, uh, if you completely disagree with Rick and I. Yeah, totally and if you cool. do, you're wrong, and that's okay. But no, it's that's a free okay country. To be wrong. You're, it's fine. You're free to be wrong. There we <laughs> go. So, 
Rick, thanks for uh, thanks for doing the show tonight, Woo-hoo! man. Uh, appreciate it. I think this is a good one. So um, we are actually you, we usually do our seasons, our podcast seasons in fifteen episode chunks. I think we're going to go a little longer uh, this time. Um, we took a couple weeks here and there, and we've actually gone to every other week format for our regular show, this one that you're listening to. So we're going to have a couple more episodes this season. So stay tuned for those. And of course, listen to Will at Game each and every week. We've got some great guests. Our latest one, Henry Audubon, uh, the designer of Parks and Space Park and Kingswood. That was that was a hilarious show. Honestly, one of my favorites. Um, so we've got a bunch of really good shows lined up for you, including our 50th episode of Will It Game coming up later on this month, uh, later on in March. So Rick, that'll do it for this episode, man. Um, where can people visit us? Oneboardfamily.com or most social media like things with one board family. You can always support us on Patreon. We love it. Uh, when people do that and we've had some great discussions in our slack channel i think it's worth it just for the slack channel honestly um you know for the price of a you know combo meal at a restaurant once a month you get to talk to us and we really do kind of talk on there pretty often so um yeah it's something that you can join in and we appreciate all the support it lets us do more things so uh it lets us buy games from asmoday with the risk of not getting replacement (laughs) parts that's good there you go but um hey ryan yes thank you again for recording with me sir and until next time we'll see See you you at at the the table. table We all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com.